Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Matt Catrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Lincoln, Kia, Hyundai. All new pre-owned inventory. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. And every Monday show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, or go to purdyinsurance.com. Home, auto, life, business, all your insurance needs. They have it all for you to protect what matters most. That is all at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, or at purdyinsurance.com. Busy, busy show today. 335, we've got Dave Cicchini from Bucknell Football to recap. A tough loss for them over the weekend against Fordham, 31-17, as heard over on 100.9 the Valley, but sat some guys because this week is the first ever Patriot League title game. Winner goes to the FCS playoffs the week after, as Bucknell will take on Holy Cross. Is that Saturday at Christie Matthewson Memorial Stadium with coverage beginning at 1.30, kickoff at 2 over on the Valley. So a big one for the Bison this weekend, so we'll talk to Dave about that at 3.35 today. And then we get to... The main topic du jour from last night, we all thought it was going to be the Masters. Well then, Phillies-Braves happened, and that ninth inning happened, and we're talking about that besides the Masters today. ESPN's Tim Kirchin is going to join us at 4.06 to give his take on the replay debacle last night by Major League Baseball as the Phillies escaped Atlanta with the win and avoided the sweep. So the Phillies now 6-3 and three on the year. Of other, of, other than that, was a tough weekend for the Phils down in Atlanta after they swept them to open the this, this season a couple weeks ago. And at first, though, I, I will admit, at first, I thought Bone was safe. I thought the toe got in, just like you've heard from Joe Girardi and other, and other guys. But then that final replay that ESPN showed that it was a little bit more of a wider angle, but it was kind of further up the plate, you can clearly see that the his foot, Alec Bohm's foot, did not hit the plate. It was still in the air. And you're I would imagine if you're MLB replay, you're given all these different angles to be able to make the right call. And the fact that didn't get done is really, really not good. 
And now we've had a couple instances where you've had issues with replay. I mean, just go to the Mets game last week. I get the rule is there where you can't rule if somebody leaned into the pitch or not, but you, you got to be able to do that. You've had two instances now, two obvious instances, where replay can change Who's out? And, play a, and play a big factor, and MLB didn't use it. And that we still no. haven't heard a word today, Steve, from MLB on that no, last really. night, but maybe we'll hear more from Tim Kirchin today yeah. at 406. Well, we're going to, well, MLB's got other issues they got to deal with today, so the Twins Red Sox game's not going to be played. Right, today. of course, yes. I mean, that's, you know, that's the big one because of the shooting of uh, Duante Wright that happened in Minnesota. I don't know many of the details. It sounded like the, um, Officer, she she thought she was firing the taser gun, and she was firing her gun. I mean, that's I, correct. You know. Yeah, that's that's the latest on that story. And like, holy mackerel! Yeah, that's um, just tragic. So, uh, so that game has been uh, postponed. Question is, I think weren't the. Uh, Nets supposed to play the T Wolves tonight. Uh, I believe they're supposed to play tonight as well, right? Yeah, Brooklyn and Minnesota are scheduled to play tonight. No word yet on that game. Hmm. Uh, I'd have to imagine they'd follow suit with the Twins. I would think they would, uh, but they've postponed the Twins and the Red Sox because of safety reasons. Uh, right, only twenty years of age. Died Sunday after a police officer shot him in the suburb of Brooklyn Center during a traffic stop. The Brooklyn Center police chief said that the shooting was accidental as the officer involved intended to fire a stun gun and not a handgun during a struggle with Wright. Police were trying to arrest him for an outstanding warrant. And of course, tensions are already high in the city to begin with because Derek Chauvin is on trial. Uh... Protests related to right shooting uh, are planned in the area of downtown Minneapolis where Target Field, the home of the Twins, is located. It is downtown. I mean, the way the sequencing goes, when you're coming in on 35W, which is the interstate, on the left is U.S. Bank Stadium, then a series of office buildings and some hotels, then it's the Target Center where the T-Worlds play, and right next to the Target Center is where the Twins play at Target Field. So just to give everybody a lay of the land as to as somebody who stayed in the Minneapolis Marriott and, and looks out his window and he's looking at Target Field and the Target Center, you know, I can tell you pretty simply what the lay of the land is. Now, if you're wondering where the University of Minnesota is, it's on the other side of the Mississippi River. Both teams, by the way, have taken the field to warm up. With the national anthem already played. And they said, no, that's it. We're out of here. We're done. So they just thought it was in their best interest as to that's how they wanted to handle it. Now, the question is whether or not the um, Nets and the T-Wolves will be 
playing tonight. That hasn't been announced yet, but that's not until 8 o'clock this evening. That's not until 8 o'clock this evening. So they'll, I'm sure during the course of this show we'll get an update on that. Uh, Matt Leon in the next half hour, then Tim Kirchin. Or actually, next half hour is Dave Cicchini. My apologies. Dave Cicchini in the next half hour. Holy Cross Bucknell for the suit to get a ring. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, going to be on 100.9 The Valley. All right. Tim Kirchin at 406. Then, <laughs> then we're going to have Matt Leon on Howie Roseman. How about that story? Honestly, look, I'm still this shaking is, my head, but this th- is your story, okay? <laughs> this is this is all. I mean, in fact, you're quoted in here liberally. <laughs> Uh, this is not as big a deal as the national media and everybody else has taken it out to be, other than the fact of the details of the analytics guy getting into it with the coaching staff. Other than that, it's the same things we've been hearing about Howie Roseman and his just irate behavior after he claimed that he was a changed man after the whole Chip Kelly thing happened, and he's back to his old roots. According to a source that told The Athletic, Peterson was ridiculed and criticized for every decision. If you won by three, it wasn't enough. If you lost on the last seven field goal, you're the worst coach in history. Peterson was constantly second-guessed by the organization, which treated him, quote, like a baby, according to the report. The head coach was forced to have sit-down meetings with Lurie and Roseman every Tuesday, which took a mental toll on him as he was scrutinized for many decisions. In the 2017 Super Bowl season, there was a feeling within the organization that Lurie was preparing for an in-house replacement in case Peterson struggled to begin the season. That in-house replacement was allegedly Jim Schwartz, adding more pressure for Peterson to perform. Of course, the Eagles started the season 10-1 and and won the Super Bowl. Peterson once had to convince the front office not to fire current Indianapolis Colts head coach Frank Reich after Reich's first team as the offensive coordinator. The Eagles front office fired offensive coordinator Mike Groh and wide receivers coach Carson Walsh after the 2019 season one day after Peterson said in a press conference they would be back. See, these are your people. In addition toward the treatment of Peterson, Roseman was reportedly infused with his own self-paranoia. Roseman's obsession with the way he's portrayed outside the Eagles organization is questioned, particularly toward how information leaks. Horror stories across departments were reported with Roseman scolding employees and threatening to search phones in reaction to publication of inside information. See, that doesn't happen here at the radio station. The suit knows it comes from me. I'm very very direct on the air about what he does. I mean, everybody knows. (laughs) Source, I'm right. I'm sitting right here. (laughs) You won't believe what he's thinking now. Okay. According to a source, Roseman tasked an employee with combing through phone records in search of a leak's origin. Roseman and Lurie deserve some credit for picking the coach that led the franchise to their Super Bowl, whatever. Okay, but that, that's, I mean, all under, that's, all, that's all under the water now. 
Okay, you, these are your people. Oh, I know. It's this embarrassing. You put, you, you put your trust in these people. I know. Uh, hey, I, you, I, I will say this. And, I, and, I never had that big a trust ripped, in Howie Roseman. And you ripped Doug and you praised Howie and you praised Lurie. I know how it works with you in the second. You know. <laughs> I understand. I wanted them I all gone. It. Don't look at me. I wanted them all gone. And this is where we stand. And the only thing I'll add to this is... I got to know from something, Roger. I, is... know from Rod, I got to know from Roger. You can't fire the owner. <laughs> okay, just so you know. There is there is something definitely mentally wrong with Howie Roseman, and he should not be leading <laughs> this organization. You can't say that on the air. You can't say that on the air. You don't know him. I, when you go by, when you start hearing the words paranoia, and the way, and what? used to see that when when you see the way he's acting. What are you talking about? And the report where he, where he talking about he's now pa- he's creating this paranoia around here. I mean that's alarming. That should be a red flag. Who's paranoid? Howie Roseman. Who are you calling paranoid? I'm just looking at I'm just going to the report here with Howie Roseman. I mean these are just egregious actions, and yet he's still the head of this franchise with Jeff Lurie, and he always will be. I mean, th- there is something seriously wrong with Howie Roseman. I I am absolutely certain about that, or else these pa- this pattern of actions wouldn't have happened. We'll take a break. You need to cool down. <laughs> we'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Hi, this is Season from Purdy Insurance, and now that the warmer weather is on our minds, all of us at Purdy Insurance are ready to pair you up with the right coverage for that boat, RV, motorcycle, or jet ski. Enjoying the great outdoors is easy with the right coverage. Give Purdy Insurance a call at 570-286-5855, send us an email, or visit our website at purdyinsurance.com to see what we can do for you. Do you think you are safe? I was called safe. That's all that matters. I mean, the whole at bat, he's saying we're we're tagging on a fly ball, and I'll I'll be in your ear letting you know. And uh, ball went up. I got to the bag, and he's he's saying yes, yes, yes. So as soon as he caught it, I took off. It was a narrow one, and it was by the skin of his big toe. I think that we scored. You know, I think you know when <laughs> we saw it, it looked like his big toe kind of hit the corner of the plate. Is what we saw when we saw the a lot of the angles. What? Really? <laughs> Sucker missed the plate. Oh, my goodness. So right. many things today. Well, Dick and Milton is uh, with us. Hello, my friend. How are you? Hey, Steve. I'm going to make this quick. You remember we had the discussion, would you rather overdrive, uh, have a guy that could overdrive the greens on a par, par four, or would you rather have the guy that hit it? The guy I was trying to think of was that Will Zatorius. He was the guy that was the, uh, leading the tour on, like, uh, greens to tees. And he, and he played pretty yeah, well. Yeah. He played really well. Pretty, you know what? I think he yeah, might be know 23 the, or something like that. He's not very old. And you know, at one point, he was ranked in the thousands, like 2,000. Yeah. And he was able to get something on the Corn Ferry Tour. And he finished in the top 10. And that's how he got into the Masters. He hits the ball long, and he's accurate. My he's pretty accurate. Yeah, that, that, that's the guy I was trying to remember. They, they said he was leading the tour on, on greens. The, the problem is he's not the best putter, according to those guys. You can learn to putt, I guess. But, yeah, it, but he does keep the something. ball in the fairway pretty well. Yeah, and not only, 
Hey, he, he drove past the bunkers on 18. I mean, the only time I could do that is in a cart. <laughs> As I said, he's, he's built like Ichabod Crane, though. That's the only thing. He's right. really thin. My God, he's... <laughs> he's yeah, I know. He's, he's built a lot like Matt. <laughs> except, yeah. except he's taller. Except he's taller. That could probably uh, still but, talk know, better than me anyway. That's all I wanted to get that in there yeah, before you got some guests on. But it, that's the guy I was trying to think of, and I was driving. Was I really couldn't think of his name and didn't have time to look it up. So there, that's yep. him. He had a good tournament. But does he have a future? He's probably be, he'll probably be winning some tournaments eventually. I think. I like would that. think. I think he would because I think he's got to walk out of there with a just a bundle of confidence playing a course yeah. like that and be the second best player in the tournament. Pretty good. Anyhow, yeah. that's, my tip, that's my tip for today. Anyhow, Steve, thanks. Thank you, Dick. Appreciate it. Uh, by the way, I just want to point out that in court, I will admit to everybody that this was the Matt Catrillo show, and I will do everything on the witness stand to throw the suit under the bus. <laughs> I just, I, I'm not taking the fall for your comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Matt Catrillo show, and I'm throwing at all costs on the witness stand, even if I'm not asked, I'm throwing the suit under the bus. <laughs> He's actually in Myrtle prote- Beach anyway this week, so. I will protect Roger at all costs. <laughs> right? I'll protect Lawrence at all costs. Uh, and as for Captain Myrtle Beach, well, last I checked, they got they have a championship game on Saturday. But he'll be back in time. They have a championship game on Saturday. <laughs> uh, like they're going to play the Rose Bowl. What am I doing the week before the Rose Bowl? I mean, am I in Pod Beach? <laughs> what, what am I doing? It, I'm in Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii. I think I'll just pop in for it. What? <laughs> We're just going to pop in for the championship game. I can't say I'm not jealous. (laughs) Thank goodness a qualified professional like Doug Birdsong, who understands the importance of the game, has immersed himself totally in the game. (laughs) Doug is about the team. Doug's about the team. He's not about Doug. I'll tell you, he better be well-rested after his Fordham experience. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Tomorrow on the show, by the way, David Jamison sent me expressions that uh, Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper will use between now and the draft, and he has a long list here. The one thing he left out was is twitchy. And now he has high twitch on here, but like twitchy, and like like, like either one of them knows what that means. I mean, but that's okay. Today's show brought to you by our good friends at Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament save the date August fourth to benefit the Greater Susquehanna Valley. YMCA. Now, if I'm going to go to anybody and ask them about whether an athlete's twitchy or not, I'm going to go to somebody who actually knows what he's talking about. That would be Dave Cicchini. Dave, welcome. Pleasure. Great to have you with us to get ready for the uh, Patriot League title game. Thanks, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. 
All right, let, let, let's uh, let's start with this. Uh, I want to get to the concept of a title game. Under the circumstances, this is what they decided to do. Now, obviously, I've broadcast a Big Ten championship game before. I know the Patriot League has its own standards, but is this something maybe they should consider down the road, trying to do this? Yeah, I think that would be a great idea. The challenge that that we have at the FCS level in a normal season is that you run out of weeks in the schedule. Because we play a uh, single elimination playoff for a national championship, uh, you really would have to back your schedule up. You'd have to schedule like in a, a 10-game regular season with a championship game at the end. And I think that's what everybody struggles with at, at our level is, is it's just not worth taking a regular season game away from everybody else. If our conference was a little bit larger um, than, than it would be, I, I think the conversation may be a little bit louder and, and uh, carry some more weight with it. But right now, just the logistics behind it not being a big enough conference and then you know, basically having that, that regular season game in a normal year, uh, you know, missing that, that's the big challenge. This year, this spring, you know, obviously being as unique as it is, um, you don't have as many weeks to even play everybody. So this was their compromise to say, well, let's divide the conference up into two small uh, divisions, and then we can have the winner of the North Division and the South Division play each other, uh, and that's what we've gotten to here for this weekend. All right, so this will be the first time that we've had this conversation this this particular spring where you're coming off a defeat. Now, you're tied at halftime. Mm. In your eyes, when you watch the video in the second half, what are those couple of plays that just swung it where it gave Fordham the advantage in such a tight game between two teams? No question it came down to turnovers. The entire game, teams were scoring off of uh, uh, turnovers. It was a game of big plays back and forth, but when it got down into the red zone, uh, you know, we uh, were tied at Fordham in, in part going in at halftime because we forced a fumble inside our own five-yard line and recovered it. And, and unfortunately, to start the second half, things were going really well. Uh, we stopped them on defense. We drove 79 yards, I believe, to, to score to take the lead uh, 17-10. Stopped them again on a three-and-out, got the ball back, drove the length of the field again, and had it inside the five-yard line, and unfortunately threw an interception into the end zone, which they returned out to about our, uh, well, about to the 30-yard line. Uh, and then they went on a 70-yard drive, scored. We got the ball back and threw a pick six at midfield. So that was really the difference of the game right there in the middle of the third quarter. We've been playing so well. We had taken the lead. We were feeling really, really confident about how we were playing offensively and defensively. And those two interceptions uh, right there in the middle of the third quarter really doomed us. Uh, and uh, we just unfortunately weren't able to come back. Yeah. Uh, and – you know, you had to face somebody. I think what Trey Sneed, who was at Rutgers, I believe, right? And, yeah, and transfer. Yeah, yeah and, and transferred in. Um, if I recall correctly. No, that's Young, left-handed. Uh, but you know, at running back, what did he do in conjunction with their offensive line? They at least gave. I know they threw the ball well for three thirty-five. But what did he add yep. to give them a little bit of balance? 
Well, he forces you to defend the run. You know, you, you go in knowing that Fordham has some very talented receivers. They've got a, a quarterback uh, who has started for a couple of years and is a talented thrower. Uh, but you can't just focus strictly on defending the pass because uh, he needs a great threat running the football. And, uh, and he wore us down a little bit as the game went on as well. He started breaking some tackles. He's just uh, uh, you know, a guy that, that's a punishing uh, ball carrier, and, and uh, he made us miss a couple of times throughout the game and extended some drives because of that, uh, and he just ran over us a couple of times. So he's certainly very talented. I think, you know, shoot, uh, probably just the overall talent of, of Fordham's skilled players on offense uh, right now are the class in the league. Uh, that's really the strength of their team. Yeah. You know, when you're winning, it's great to make adjustments when you're winning. Sometimes you wonder, I'm just from 30,000 feet, sometimes you wonder how much they're listening to the adjustments when, they're, when you're winning. But, boy, you lose a game and they listen to every adjustment. What are a couple of adjustments you need to make this particular week going into this game that just uh, just focusing on Bucknell? Yeah, you know, there's some positives and some negatives to that. You, you lose a tough football game like this, and you still want guys to have that confidence. You know, you, you want them to come out of the game saying, hey, we could have we could have won this, we did this, you know, we had this play and that play and that play, and, and if we just didn't make those types of mistakes, uh, you know, we would have won the football game and still be confident in the schemes on offense and defense. So you don't want your your confidence to be lowered, uh, in which our, our confidence is, is enormously high right now. But you're exactly right. Coming out of a loss, it does force you to confront your weaknesses. We are not a perfect football team. We're not even you know anywhere close to it. I don't think anybody is here, particularly in the spring season, with uh, just the way that the season has progressed and it being shorter, and you know teams and universities having to pause for for COVID outbreaks and, and whatnot. So I don't think anybody's uh, playing the best football uh, that they could right now. And, and when you do lose football games, it does force your players to really take stock and say, hey, you know what, that mistake, you know, that, that made it got, might have gone by okay. It was just a bump in the road when, when we won by three touchdowns at the beginning of the season. But we lost the football yeah. game in part because of the mistake I made on this particular play. And it does force people uh, to recognize, you know, the importance of doing those little things right. So so it's something that we definitely can take into this week as we look to, to Holy Cross. They're, they're another talented team. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, we're going to look at, at ourselves and improve and, and work on the mistakes that we made. And, and hopefully we can be a better football play, uh, football team when it comes around to the Saturday. I mean, look, it's four straight weeks. Uh, you know, have certain elements fallen into place now because you played three straight weeks. Instead of having a pause here and a pause there, you've kept playing. We have. We have. And, and the crazy part about it, uh, so Steve, is that in each of those weeks, believe it or not, at some point the Patriot League came out and said, hey, you know what? Due to what's going on with other teams, we may put you with Holy Cross this week. Right. So in each week, we moved at, at some point in the week under the assumption that our opponent that week was going to be Holy Cross. So we actually had days in each of the past three weeks where we're down game planning. We're saying, hey, this is the team we're going to be playing. And then it didn't happen. Um, and that's the crazy thing. So as we look towards 
them this Saturday. It's uh, a very familiar opponent to us, you know, certainly as coaches, and I think to a certain degree as players as well, even though we haven't played since 2019 against them. Uh, it, it's something that our guys just have been repeated each week, uh, and, and yet here we are finally, uh, hopefully with this, if this can happen. <laughs> we're, running, we're running out of weeks, so they can't uh, delay it anymore. So it's got to be this Saturday. Finally, it's them. Uh, the yep. Crusaders are, are, are coming in. All right. So when you look at them, all right, they've only given up six first downs on the ground. It's only been two games. But you know, when you look at their rush defense, what kind of pressure does that put on your run offense, and does that put more pressure on your passing game? Well, I, I tell you what, it, it is. It's a great defense. Uh, they do a very good job. They've only played two games. We've played three, and, and they basically have been idle here for the last couple of weeks. So there, they, right. there is still a little bit of an element of mystery uh, about what they're going to be like after all of these weeks. And, and uh, it could be for good or it could be for bad. But the, the, what they do defensively, they come up with a great game plan week in and week out, and that may be a very different game plan. Uh, so for us, we're just going to have to be able to pivot and see what are they going to do to take away the run game or uh, our RPOs, those run pass options that that uh, you know we we can be very um, successful with uh, and have done so in the past couple of weeks, and and that's really going to be the, the key to the game is for us to recognize, well, what is their plan on defense early on in the first quarter, see what it's going to be because they do so many multiple things, both coverage-wise in their base defensive fronts and in their blitz scheme. So we're going to have to see what their intent is as we start the game and be able to make those adjustments early, even before we get into uh, the locker room at halftime, uh, you know, if we're going to be successful. What would your advice be with Logan Bidikoffer right now? I mean, he's played he's played well for you, but he threw two interceptions. And Brandon yeah. Sanders, they obviously knew where he was because he only had a couple of yeah. catches in the game. So, how do you view how, how do you make sure that you get a guy like Sanders freed up? And what, what's your advice to Logan Bidikoffer? Yeah, well, starting with Logan, you know, he's he's a great quarterback who has a short memory, uh, and that's good and that's bad at times. You know, he's he's got the confidence. Uh, he's a gunslinger. He's not afraid to go out there and, and make those throws. And, and uh, when he is at his best, uh, he's as talented as anybody else in, in this conference. You know, uh, unfortunately, sometimes having a short memory uh, <laughs> means that you keep trying to squeeze it in that window that's not there because you have so much confidence and so much faith in yourself. Uh, and, you know, it, it, particularly if you're working with a lead or if you have the ball inside your opponent's, you know, five-yard line, just a, hey, a 10-point lead, you know, we, we have to come away with points here. And, and uh, you know, those are the things, the little things that he needs to continue to work on. Uh, and, and if he does, you know, he, he's going to have a great day on Saturday. There's no no doubt in my mind. You know, Brandon is, is a, is a game-changing type of player, and, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, both Fordham and, to a certain degree, Lehigh, uh, the, the last week, uh, spend an awful lot of time double covering him, rotating coverages, uh, and we've been able to make adjustments to get other players the ball and take advantage of saying, okay, we're not a one-trick pony. If you want to double cover and take two players wherever Brandon Sanders is, uh, you are now going to be short, either in the run game or there's a lot of single coverage matchups and we've got a, a lot of other uh, great players that, that can go out there. Dominic Lyles had 14 catches against Lehigh and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, we had a bunch of guys who made some plays for us on 
Saturday as well. So we, we do uh, we want to get him the ball, but we also again part of getting to the adjustment part. You know that, that I mentioned earlier. If Holy Cross is going to come out and say, "Hey, we're going to take away Brandon Sanders," we've got to know. Okay, that's going to open up the following things, and we've got some other talented players uh, that we can get the football in space uh, in great matchups uh, as well. So. Well, you and I know, and finally, you and I both know that when you get into a championship game like this, there's a precision on each play that you need that's so important because each play has great meaning. Uh, how do you convey that with the balance of enjoy it like any other game? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is uh, the big part. You want them to understand that this is, this is a football game. Uh, there's nothing different. The field's the same size. It's uh, you know, it, it carries a lot of extra weight, and that's great. That can motivate your guys, but you don't want them to become undisciplined either because of the nerves or they're overly aggressive. And and that's really the challenge as a, as a coach. You want to prepare your team. You want them to understand that this is a, an unbelievable opportunity, something uh, that they're going to remember for the rest of their lives. But at the same time, knowing that hey, that we've got to do what got us here. Uh, I think getting back to turnovers is, is critical. We won two football games because we did not yeah. turn the football over. We did a great job. We didn't put it on the ground. We didn't throw interceptions. And we had a lot of success this past Saturday, but we did have a couple of huge turnovers that wound up you know, being a large part in, in why we lost the football game. So uh, you don't want guys trying to do a little bit too much. You want them working and having a great week of preparation and, and just motivated uh, to study the film and study the scouting reports and, and prepare themselves mentally and physically for the game of their life, but they got to go out there and play uh, with confidence and, and knowing that it is. It's still a football game, and you know we've got to go out there and do what got us there to this game. And what do turnovers mean? Well, at Penn State under James Franklin, when they win the big play battle, 20-plus, and they win the turnover battle, the 25-0. and 0. So that's what it means. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Best of luck coming up on Saturday. Appreciate all the time, and uh, hope everything goes really great. We're going to have a fun conversation next week. That's right, Steve. Thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Appreciate you. Thank you. Dave Giacchini joining us. Uh, it's amazing. You talk to the coach. I got the sense that this was a big game. <laughs> That's right, yes. I got the sense that as the coach, he was here getting his team ready. Correct. That his players are here getting ready. Yep. His announcer, his lead guy, is here getting ready. Right. And his analyst is AWOL. No good! No good! No! How can you possibly convey that kind of emotion when you're sitting there watching waves? (laughs) He can still run the Eagles organization a whole heck of a lot better, though, right now. I'm sorry. Doug, it's just too easy. Doug Birdsong, who already knew that he pretty much had to carry the thing on Saturday, pretty much knows now he's on his own. F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells foul. 
I mean, what's going to happen is he's going to come back from Myrtle Beach and he's going to tell, start telling Bob Cousy stories <laughs> because that's all he knows about Holy Cross. You, sir, are my hero. <laughs> and he's going he's gonna to refer to it as Worcester. And you're, like, and you're just going to sit there and go, I just... <sighs> and for the uninitiated, it's Worcester. But he's going to refer to it as Worcester. And just you just know that it has... Uh, if I'm Doug, I don't even turn the mic, his mic on. Just let him talk. <laughs> uh, that's uh, Logan Pittacoffer. He's our quarterback. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure you know. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. <laughs> I'm telling. I mean, I know all the great announcers I've ever worked with. None of them took a vacation before the championship game. <laughs> Just I've never seen anything like it. I looked at the schedule. I knew they were scheduled to play this game. I, I don't. We couldn't have waited till Indianapolis 500 weekend. <laughs> poor, poor Doug. Nice. Hey, Doug. I mean, I'd send him down the field. Second series of the first quarter. So you want to get ready for for the halftime show? Just make sure you're properly. Right? Well, I've got a lot to add. Uh, I heard the first series. No. <laughs> Did you know that Myrtle Beach has a team called the Pelicans? Oh. <laughs> oh. We'll come back with more in a moment. <laughs> I, I sensed in talking to the coach, who is always a great interview. Dave Absolutely. A great, great interview. I personally like him a lot. But it's a big game. I've talked to Doug. Doug seems to think as an announcer it's a big game. It do, it doesn't seem like a let's all go on vacation kumbaya moment. <laughs> big Big Ten championship game. I was here locked in. Went there, did the game. I didn't go to Carmel. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment. Hey, we've got a big game. Hey, I'm going to Carmel. Have a good one. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, week of the Super Bowl. Where do you think Jim Nance was? Tampa. We'll come back with more in a moment. Great to have you with us today on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. And it's clear that his foot didn't touch the plate, that it was on the chalk. Everyone saw it and sees it. You know, everyone knows it. And for MLB not to overturn that, it's embarrassing. You know, why even have replay if you can won't overturn that? Snip, what did the umpire say to you when? Nothing. He didn't say anything. I did all the talking. He didn't say anything. We're we're not yeah. given explanations. Okay. And when you, what you saw, did you ever see him touch the plate? No. Yeah. Pretty tough score run when you don't touch the plate, correct? Correct. That's why. I mean, I saw we had an angle that I saw he didn't because I I wondered till I saw a certain angle. Then I was 
confirm my what I thought that he didn't touch the plate. Okay, a couple quick notes for you. Jim Ferry has become the head basketball coach at UMBC. See, what happened was Craig Smith, okay, Larry Kristoyak was fired at Utah. Craig Smith left Utah State to take the Utah job. Ryan Odom left UMBC to take the Utah State job. Jim Ferry takes the UMBC job. And Billy Horton's the new manager of the Williamsport Crosscutters. Delwyn Young will be the manager of the State College Spikes in the MLB Draft League. So there you go. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street and Summer. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And the suit is still in Myrtle Beach. Preparing for Holy Cross. Now, it didn't help that I told him it was Mount St. Mary's. Oh, I, just wanted to see, I just wanted to see if he knew who's who. 